We're going to read the scripture together. Uh, we've been talking about this topic for, uh, I think it's nine weeks now. You guys get bored yet? Uh, the scripture is just so rich and just so full of life. And these three scriptures have been bringing me so much life in my prayer time, my study time, my sermon time. And just our conversations as we meet and connect over meals or coffee or whatever it is as we spend time together. These three scriptures are really breathing life into our family. So what I want to do is just read them aloud all together as a whole. Can we do that? In the spirit of spring forward. All right. So it's Matthew 4, 18 through 20. Let's read together. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Wow. Yes. yes. So how many of you guys know that both Simon and Andrew were unqualified to become preachers of the gospel. Amen. But because of the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ, they became qualified to preach the gospel. So on your way to your seat, just look at the person next to you and say, you're qualified. You guys can be still. So I titled the message, Unqualified for a Purpose, today because I really want to traverse through the history of the scriptures. I want to talk a little bit about how Jesus goes about deciding upon his disciples and choosing people to fish for men with him and anoint to preach the gospel. How many of you guys know that you are anointed to preach the gospel? Do you believe that? Just put your hand. Every hand in here ought to go up because Jesus did not leave one person out. When he called you, chose you, and commissioned you to fish for men and to preach the gospel. Each and every one of us are called to fish for men. And let's be, be very, very clear from the beginning. To fish for men means to preach the gospel. Yeah. Everybody say preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. It means to speak. If you are called to be a fisher of men, then you are called to be a speaker of the gospel. Yes. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And I know that none of us, not, not any one of us, I, I don't believe, would have chosen Peter or Andrew as sidekicks to preach the gospel alongside. After all, these guys were unqualified. Everybody say unqualified. They were fishermen. They, they worked on the water. They were not professional communicators. But these were the ones that Jesus walked past and said, I want you to fish for men with me and preach the gospel. Now, we all know that God assigned Jesus a task. He sums up his mission statement in Luke when he says, I came to seek and to save the lost. This was Jesus' mission statement. And instead of choosing religious professionals to preach the gospel with, Jesus picked normal people with normal jobs. Everybody say, that's me. Just like Samuel in the Old Testament, Messiah passed over one after the other. Those that were seemingly most qualified, and he chose the least from among the lot. Yeah. This is something that Jesus does continually as he chooses his disciples. 
And if you've ever thought to yourself, I am absolutely unqualified to preach the gospel, then you share great resemblance to those that Jesus handpicked in the New Testament. Jesus begins his ministry with fishermen. And this is kind of his style as we watch him through the gospels. He often chooses the least likely to become the most involved. Everybody say unqualified. Unqualified. So as we look at who Jesus chooses first, right? He chooses Peter and he chooses Andrew. These guys were very much unqualified, nine to five, blue collar workers. You know, they were just average, normal people. So if you, uh, if you fit into that description and that's kind of what you're doing in this season of your life, you're working nine to five. Maybe you're working manual labor. Maybe you're working a blue collar job. Maybe you're working just a 40 hour work week and that's your season of life, then you can find some resemblance in Peter and Andrew because Jesus, as he walked past the shoreline, looked out at somebody just like you, and he says, come follow me, and I'm going to transform you into a preacher of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, right. So if you've ever thought, man, I'm completely unqualified, and, and, and you read the story, hey, look, you can find resemblance in Peter yeah. and Andrew, yeah. right? And I think we sort of romanticize this thing. Like we look at the way that Jesus chose his disciples, and, and we think to ourselves, man, Jesus only chose poor guys, like financially poor. He only chose uneducated people. He only chose uninfluential people. He only chose people whose society deemed as outcast or do not matter. And he chose these type of people to preach the gospel with. But upon further study, we recognize that Jesus did not just choose Peter and Andrew, some nine to five workers, people who were engaged in manual labor. But Jesus also chose other people in other professions with different backgrounds, different income brackets to preach the gospel alongside. I think sometimes in this romanticism, we tend to think, well, the only person that can successfully preach the gospel are those that just have nothing else going on in their lives. And so they reluctantly give in to Jesus and they decide to do ministry. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so... It's, it just, it tends to be like that because we think that, well, you know, let somebody else preach the gospel. You know, let somebody else like Peter or Andrew preach the gospel. Somebody who doesn't have a lot going on in their life right now. Yeah. Somebody who is, you know, doesn't have kids. Or somebody who doesn't have, a, you know, uh, any more responsibilities yeah. aside from fishing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but, but when we look at who Jesus called, Jesus actually called people that are just like each and every one of us. Jesus didn't just choose uneducated, impoverished fishermen. Jesus also chose influencers to preach with as well. Consider uh, Matthew. Uh, When you look at Matthew, Matthew was a political influencer. Now, I don't know how many of you guys would choose a political influencer to preach the gospel with. But Jesus didn't just choose somebody who talked about politics. Jesus... Uh, chose somebody who used their political platform to extort finances from the poor. Wow. Yeah. 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 So how many of you guys would choose, I mean, come on, politics are like rampant right now. Just pull up your Facebook, right? How many of you guys would choose somebody who had an opinion on the other side of the aisle politically to preach the gospel with? But Jesus actually goes, he walks past the tax booth, right? And he's like, Matthew, come and follow me, and I'm going to transform you, not into a political, uh, you know, practitioner, but I'm going to turn you into a supernatural preacher. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. This guy was influential. Now, he was well known in his community, not for a good reason. (laughs) 
But he was well known, right? He, he might have been well known, but he was probably not well loved. Yeah. Right? But this is the person that Jesus chooses to preach alongside. If, if you're an influencer, if you aspire towards influence, if you have a following, if you've been rejected, if you're not well loved, you might be able to find some resemblance with Matthew and say, oh, you, you care about politics? Hey, look, that does not scare Jesus off from transforming you to cause you to preach the gospel. Just because you're called into the governmental mountain does not mean that you've not been assigned the task to, de to declare the gospel. Are we getting anywhere yet? Yeah. Right? But, you know, the crazy thing was is that the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, could not stand tax collectors. And they were somebody who they deemed as sinners for sure. Mark 2 and 16 says, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Right? The religious people of the day, they lumped in. If you collect the taxes for a living with an outright sinner. They just, they put you together. But these are the people that Jesus chooses to preach the gospel with. Everybody say unqualified. Unqualified. Jesus didn't just choose influencers or, or nine to five fishermen. Jesus also chose the wealthy to preach the gospel with him. Not only did he choose Matthew the publican, but he chose Luke, the highly educated, highly wealthy medical doctor as well. They had important jobs. They had tons of money. But Jesus says, hey, just because you have riches does not disqualify you from preaching the gospel. He didn't say the same thing to Luke that he said to the rich young ruler. He didn't say sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. He said, hey, follow me and I'm going to make you a preacher of the gospel. Right? Yeah. Amen? Amen. So if you if you are a professional, if you are in the medical yep. uh, industry, if you are a wealthy person, yep. that does not disqualify you from following Jesus, being transformed, and becoming a preacher of the gospel. Come on. Yeah. 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 You remember Joseph of Arimathea? He was the one who gave his tomb to Jesus. During this time, only rich people had tombs. Wow. He was a wealthy person. And yet, and he was also a member of the Sanhedrin, which means that he was somebody who was high up. In, in the yeah. religious uh, world and culture. Yeah. And yet neither one of those things disqualified him from following Jesus yeah. and preaching the gospel. Amen. Yeah. So how about this? Not only did Jesus choose nine to five, not only like, you know, day laborers, manual blue collar workers. Uh, not only did Jesus uh, choose influencers. Not only did Jesus choose the wealthy. Here, here's one that's really controversial. Jesus chose women. Yes. To preach with. Yes. And all the women said, Amen. Amen. And in some cases, he chose wealthy women yes. to preach the gospel with. Yes. How's this, right? Yes. And so if you look at Luke 8 and 3, you'll see that there's a woman, her name is Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, which how many guys know? Herod was yes. royalty during yes. the season, right? Yes. And then another lady named Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Jesus chose this woman, Joanna, to become a preacher of the gospel, and she lived undoubtedly a very comfortable, wealthy lifestyle on, on the palace grounds because she was married to a manager of the house of the king. And yet he chose her to preach the gospel with. You know, Jesus chose uh, more, he did more through women ministers than history cares to remember. Jesus has undoubtedly called women to preach the gospel. Yes. Yes. All throughout the gospels, you see Jesus visiting the homes of women. 
You see women traveling with Jesus. You see that women are at the cross. You see that women are at the tomb. In fact, it was women ministers who were the last to see Jesus before he died and the first to see, see Jesus once he rose again. Amen. So all the women in here said amen. You guys just have an uncanny anointing to follow Jesus a little bit closer than the men do most of the time. It's the truth, man. It yeah. seems like when the, when the tough, yeah. you know, when, when, it's like when the going gets tough, it's the women Come that on. are tough and Come get going, on. right? That's the truth, man. Yeah. There's something about the women, man. You know, honestly, we need to lean into them more and more and more. I've learned that as I've been married for a few years now. A lot of times when my wife has a prophetic word, it's the last thing I want to hear, but it's the first thing I need to hear. <laughs> Is that not the truth? All the women in here say amen. Amen. All throughout the New Testament, we see women preaching and fishing for men with Jesus. And uh, the, the momentum continues that the Apostle Paul, actually writing to the church in Rome, uh, labels a woman named Junia as an apostle. Yeah. So I know there's been some debate, and unfortunately, whether or not women can be apostles, well, the Apostle Paul says that they can be, so I think that ends the debate. <laughs> Jesus chose men and women from diverse backgrounds, education levels, income brackets, and social statuses to follow him, to transform them, and to cause them to preach the gospel. It does not matter where you work. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your income level. It doesn't matter how many followers you have on Instagram. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Any of those things matter. If you are a Christian, you have been called and you will be caused to preach the gospel in your sphere of influence. Amen? Amen. This is something that Jesus has commanded us to do. Let's look at Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which we all know as the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I want us to recognize something. This is the Great Commission, but this is also a commandment. Yeah. Right? We have, not we have not received a great suggestion. We have received the Great Commission. Come on. Yeah. Amen. It's not a great suggestion. Yeah. It is the great commission. And it is a commandment that we have all received as Christians directly and personally from God through Jesus. Yes. You guys with me? Yes. We have been commanded to make disciples, to teach. That means to speak. That means to preach the gospel. Yes. And I can tell you guys this, that, that, that society, culture, principalities, and powers... Demons, the demonic, people who are devoted to maintaining the status quo and allowing the world to stay as it is, do not have a problem with you performing good deeds, but they do have a problem with you preaching the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be clear. None of the disciples who became the apostles were martyred because they were good, moral, religious people. They were martyred because they spoke the gospel. Because they would not shut up. Because they would not stop talking. And principalities and powers don't mind you doing a few good things for society. But when you won't shut up 
about the fact that Jesus is Lord and you preach the gospel that he is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to spend eternity in heaven. I can promise you, you will face resistance that you otherwise would not experience. The enemy does not want you speaking. Which is why it's just become, uh, you know, favorable to declare that not sharing faith is politically correct. This is the way that you should sustain your religion. Keep it privatized. And in an effort to make it privatized, we've turned it into something that's been incentivized. (laughs) And so the only reason why we confess faith is for the good things that we get from Jesus as a result. But it's privatized, therefore it's become a spectator sport, therefore it's become something that we don't talk about in public because it's become taboo. And I know why. It's because we all expect the experience of either persecution or at bare minimum resistance if we open our mouths and preach the gospel. But can I tell you that from the beginning, when Jesus said, follow me, he said, you're going to preach the gospel. As he walked with his disciples, he said, this is my mission. I came to seek and save the lost. I came to preach the gospel. And right before he ascended, right before he left to go to the Father, he said, listen, if you didn't get anything else, take everything I've commanded you and preach the gospel. Jesus was so passionate about making sure that his disciples understood their assignment, which was to preach the gospel. He said, hey, look, you're going to get brought before before kings. You're going to get brought before religious people. You're going to be whipped. You're going to be beaten. You're going you're gonna to face imprisonment, and it's all going to come as a result of you preaching, preaching the gospel. Yes. The enemy doesn't want you to yes. preach. Yeah. You, 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 you remember that? It's like it's in Acts 15, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. Somebody could tweet me and help me out for the 11. But I think it's in Acts 15, and, and which when some of the apostles are arrested, and they're taken before some of the rulers, and, and they beat them, right? They beat them. And they say, hey, look, you can do everything you've been doing, but we forbid you to speak in the name of Jesus. You can do anything you want. See, society, the enemy, they don't have any problem with you doing good things, saying good things, or standing up on behalf of people who have less. But when you speak the name of Jesus. Yes. Let me try this out. I don't know if you have excited this morning. But when you speak the name of Jesus, hell trembles. Like, Satan's knees knock together. Like, you know, it's just something that changes every atmosphere that you speak into. Yes. Yes. Come on. Jesus knew the resistance that we would face if we would choose to preach the gospel. And that's why he was so emphatic about not suggesting that we do it when we feel good, but commanding that we do it because we follow him. Yes. Yes. Jesus. Yes. Wow. Are, you, are you guys alive? Yes. Yes. You have received the Great Commission. It does not matter your background. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your education, your income bracket, the number of followers you have. You have been commanded by God to fish for men and to preach the gospel. You may not feel ready to do this. I I recognize that reality, that when we're hearing a message like this, we may confess, I'm just not ready. Like, I, I, I love that idea. I hope to, uh, you know, aspire towards that level of maturity in ministry, but I'm just not ready. Wow. Or 
you may be saying, man, I'm just not qualified. Like, that's awesome for you, Lyle. I know you went to ministry school. I know you've been doing this for over a decade. That's great that you have all that experience. But I've never preached the gospel. I don't know how to preach the gospel. I've never went through a ministry school. I don't have my degree. No one has ever ordained me. I'm just not qualified to preach the gospel. But can I tell you that you being ready or you being qualified to preach the gospel, that Jesus requires neither of those things. Jesus did not wait for you to get ready before he commanded and commissioned you to preach the gospel. You weren't even born yet. You didn't even have a chance to fail. You didn't have a chance to get ready. And Jesus said, you become a Christian, you're called, you're commissioned, and you're commanded to preach the gospel. Yes, so you being ready to preach the gospel is not actually a prerequisite to actually preaching the gospel. Totally. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Are you still yeah. yeah. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. We're springing forward in the spirit. Listen, yeah. Jesus did not wait for you to become qualified before he commanded and commissioned you to preach the gospel. Yeah. Come on. Yes. He didn't wait. He just said, listen, if you're saved... If you've received me, you are commissioned and you are commanded to preach the gospel. Yeah. Here's the good news, guys. Jesus personally determines your readiness to preach the gospel. Right. Yeah, come on. And he yeah. says that you're ready. Amen. <laughs> so you don't actually get to decide when you're qualified. Yeah. Jesus personally determines when you're qualified to preach the gospel. Yeah. You want to know the moment you're qualified? It's when you receive him. Yeah. 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 As soon as you receive him, you are ready and you are qualified to preach the gospel. And Jesus is allowed to demand that we preach the gospel once he comes to live in us. And the reason for that is because Jesus is allowed to demand what Jesus has personally deposited. He knows what he's put in you. Therefore, he has permission to call it out of you. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Like, Jesus knows what's on the inside of you. He put it there. He lives there. Which is why he is able to say, I command you to preach the gospel. Because even though you don't think that you have what you need to preach the gospel, Jesus sees what we don't often see, which is, He's in there. You have what you need to preach the gospel because you have the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. Come on. Come on. Yes. And yes. so oftentimes we wait for somebody else to tell us that we're ready. Right. Right? Yeah. You know, I could just I, I remember doing this one time. It's not in my notes, but I'm just gonna, you know, go for it. Um when I when I first started preaching, you know, I have always been an excited preacher. And you know, when I was younger, probably a much more arrogant preacher. You know, thank God I'm becoming more and more humble the older I get. And, you know, you get married, that helps with that. And you have kids that helps with that. Uh, you know, there's just a pastor that helps with that. And, uh, you know, so as I'm, as I'm getting older, I've learned a few things. But even when I was younger and as excited as I was to preach the gospel, there were certain things that I just didn't feel qualified to do. One of those things was to really go after miracles in like a corporate setting, like divine healing. You know, yeah. I've read about it in the scriptures, but I just didn't feel that confidence to go for it. Right. Yeah. And I got invited to preach at this conference in Dallas, Texas when I was, I, I want to say I was probably 23 or 24 years old. I was a youth pastor at the time. And, and uh, you know, I was... Just really bold and going for it. But whenever I was preparing for that night to go and preach, um, I, 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 I was in a Holiday Inn. It was a nice one, though. It was a Holiday Inn. And, and I, I, I was in the bathroom. 
And uh, don't visualize that. Uh, but I'm in the bathroom, and uh, you know, I'm just looking at myself in the mirror, and, and I hear the Lord say, tonight you're going to have a Holy Spirit workshop. And, uh, and I said, no way. <laughs> you know, because I knew what he was asking me to do. He was like, hey, I want you to teach people, like, how to, how to flow with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And I want you to go after miracles. And the reason why I knew that's what he was asking me to do when he said a Holy Spirit workshop is because I had been at an event before where there were students from the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry that hosted a Holy Spirit workshop. And they gave words of knowledge, and people who had those conditions would come up and receive prayer, and many of them would get healed. And so I was like, I can't do that. I'm not ready to do that. I'm not qualified to do that. And I remember telling the Lord, like, I'm not doing that. You know, and I said, I would, this is what I told God, I'm serious. I said, I would need to have gone to the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry to be able to be ready or qualified to do a Holy Spirit workshop. And the Lord spoke to me very quickly. He said, I, I didn't, you don't need a man to tell you who you are. I tell you who you are. And I'm telling you to do a Holy Spirit workshop. So I swear, that's what he said to me. The, I, the Lord has me on a very short leash. So I'm like, okay, God, well, that's all right, great. And so I got my holiday in, notepad out. From the, from the table there, and, and he gave me like five words of knowledge. Like one was like a hernia in somebody's stomach. That was like a left, you know, that left knee with a catch. It was some pretty basic stuff. It wasn't crazy stuff, you know, not like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you don't have a head or anything. It was like, it was like, it was very, it was like very simple stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was very simple stuff. <laughs>
We're going to expect a miracle. You guys, I'm telling you, one by one, every single person that came up got healed that yeah. night. Like, they felt their hernia dissolved, their knees stopped clicking. Yeah. They were like, man, I can jump, I can run. There was one guy, he had a calf problem, he was running around the sanctuary. <laughs> and the place was just going crazy. Everybody was just super excited about yeah. it. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. This is great. And and at this point, you know, although I'm still the person that's responsible to steward what's happening in the meeting, I was done, so I just went and sat down. <laughs> also, I just went and sat down in front. You know, I thought, well, what else do I have to do? You know, I didn't really know how to land the plane very well at that point. <laughs> Finish the meeting. I'm on that. Sometimes when I go to conferences, like, I just leave people there. <laughs> speaker sometimes and say the spirit. So just like God is here, right? And so I just I go down and sit down and, and, and I just sit there and the kids are on stage and they're dancing and they had a worship team. Uh, they were all dancing and, and the pastors were kind of looking around because I didn't know realize this was like a uh, it was a congress of that denomination, smaller denomination, but all so all the older pastors were in the room. I didn't know that. Thankfully, God saved me from my shame. And that. But I'm, I'm, set, I'm sitting there in the front and, and this pastor comes up and he's from Minnesota. He came down and sat next to me and said, hey, I remember. He said, Pastor, my name is Pastor Al Gossin, super nice guy. He said, I have a church in Minnesota. And he said, I just had a question for you. Did you by chance attend the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry? <laughs> and I said, actually, I've never been to Reading. And he said, you're kidding. I said, no, I'm serious. He said, what just happened in here was the exact same thing that I just experienced at a Bethel event where the students did a Holy Spirit workshop, and people got healed. And I asked that the whole team would come out to my church in Minnesota, and had I known about you before, I would have just brought you. It would have been cheaper. I said, praise God, you know? What are you Great. So I walked away from that recognizing something. It's like, yeah, it's not in my strength. It's not in my might. It's not in my Right? God, it's, it's by his grace, it's yes. by his spirit. Yes. But the point, the, 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 the moral of the story, the point here is this, is that you're never really ready to do everything that God wants Come to on. do through your life. You're never really going to be qualified to do everything that God wants yes. you to do yes. in your life. And there's a reason for that. If you've ever said to yourself, man, I would preach the gospel, but I'm unqualified. Can I tell you something? You're right. You are unqualified. You know, if you've said to yourself, man, I would evangelize, I would share the gospel with my friends, but I'm just not ready. Can I tell you something? You're right. You're never going to be ready, and you're never going to be qualified in your own strength. But it's not your strength that qualifies you to fish for man and to preach the gospel. It's Jesus' spirit that qualifies you and causes you to fish for men and preach the gospel. That's the whole process of follow me and I will make you, I will construct you, and I will cause you to fish for men and to preach the gospel. You're not qualified in your own strength. You'll never be eloquent enough to preach the gospel well enough to convince somebody into salvation. And in fact, even if you could, you wouldn't want to because if they could be convinced to be saved, they could be convinced to be lost. Right, right. But if the Holy Spirit falls on their life, then they will be set free, not by your ability to speak or to fish, but by God's Spirit and His ability to deliver. Yeah. Amen. 
And this is where we find our qualification for preaching the gospel. Yep. Jesus understood that even those that followed him would struggle to feel ready to preach the gospel. I mean, even when Jesus said, hey, guys, I'm going to be leaving you, and then you're going to preach in my absence. Peter was like, I rebuke you, Jesus. You know, yeah. he rebuked God. He's like, there's no way you're leaving. This is not from the Lord. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? You guys remember this? Yeah. Because he's like, no, no, no. It is my will that you would preach the gospel once I ascend to the Father. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus even said to his disciples in John 14, 12, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Yep. How many of you guys know that the works that Jesus did included preaching? Yeah. Yeah. Every single person that was listening to what Jesus had to say that day knew that they would be preaching the gospel. Yeah. He continues in, in, in the second half of the verse. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now listen, you may not feel qualified, but you have been called and commissioned to preach the gospel better than Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Let that sit in for a minute. You have been called and commissioned to preach the gospel better than Jesus. Isn't that offensive to our intellect? It's like, what? No way. How is that possible? Well, Jesus says it is possible because, everybody say because, because. he goes to the Father. Yeah. Now let's look at John 16, 7. It says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, everybody say advantage, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I don't know about you, but I've thought on many occasions, man, it would be so much easier to preach the gospel if Jesus was here in the flesh all the time. Right. If Jesus would just show up here and hang out here and stand next to me when I preach or I sit down and he preaches on this stage, man, wouldn't church just be so much better? But Jesus says that actually that's not true. Um, that it wouldn't be better if he was here. Wow. And the reason for that is because rather than us preach decently alongside Jesus, Jesus preaches excellently through us yeah. when we receive his spirit, yeah. the helper. Yeah. Wow. Jesus ascended to the Father so that he can send us his spirit. And it is only by the spirit that we are able to preach the gospel effectively. Come on. Yeah. Despite not being qualified, Jesus calls, Jesus commands, and Jesus commissions us all to preach. Yeah. Not because of his great confidence in us, but because of his great confidence in himself. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's awesome. You got to really think about that. Like, he's like, you're called to preach the gospel, but not because you're so awesome, but because I know who I am and I'm going to come and live with you. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's like, whose work is it? Is it really, right? I mean, I think that's the beauty of the good news is that it's, it's oftentimes so much easier than we thought. Yeah. Especially when it when it comes to things, uh, you know, like like evangelism, right? Speaking yes. supernaturally, being active in spiritual things. Jesus does this work for us as He takes up residence in us, and we surrender to the Spirit that lives in us. Jesus sent His Spirit for this purpose. He knows what He's put in us, so He's allowed to demand it out of us. We are unqualified to preach the gospel so long as we look at anything aside from the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. But when we look at the Spirit, we are enabled to supernaturally speak. Yeah. 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 You know, I was, I was preaching one time with Will Hart, 
And uh, Brian, you can come if you like. I was preaching one time with Will Hart. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Will Hart before? Uh, some of you may have, may not. Uh, he's, he preached a lot with Randy Clark. He's now the uh, COO of Iris Global uh, with Heidi Rowan Baker. And I was preaching with him once. I had the privilege of, of preaching with him. And, and uh, I was on a ministry trip in the middle of a, a long fast, which is not that fun. I'll be honest with you guys. But it's super powerful. Yeah. yeah. You know? And uh, I was standing next to him one time, and I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> I've been in a while. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to preach tomorrow, and I don't know if I have the strength, you know? And, and I, I was listening to Will pray. Mm-hmm. And, and you can learn a lot about somebody by listening to him pray. Mm-hmm. Now, don't be weird, but, you know, listen to somebody pray. You learn a lot about uh, their theology. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Listen to yourself pray. Yeah. You'll, you'll learn a lot about what you really believe about God. Wow. That's good. Whoa. Right? Yeah, because yeah, it comes yeah. out, right? Yeah. And uh, so I'm listening to I'm listening to Will pray, and he's praying like kind of like this mantra prayer. It's just over and over and over. He's just repeating it over and over. And, over. and uh and I leaned in because I, I thought, man, you know, I want to listen. And there was so much brokenness in his voice. And he, he was just like he was on the edge of tears. And he has he has mic on, he's getting ready to go up. And, and he said the same thing over and over and over and never forgot. He said, he said uh, do not take your Holy Spirit from me for it's all happened. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me for it's all happened. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And this is what he was saying as he was preparing to preach. And dude, that moved me. That marked me. There was so much. There was, his voice was shaking. It was, just, it, it was just like, do not take your Holy Spirit from me for it's all happened. And there was just something about that I was like, yeah. I'm going to start praying. Wow. That is beautiful. Yeah. That is so true. And I want you guys to know that the reason why the Holy Spirit has been given to us is that so we can speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me prove it to you super quick as I'm closing. Acts 1.8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. We have received the Spirit, which gives us power to witness. Yes. You have received yes. the Spirit so that you are empowered to speak. Yes. When Jesus promises His Spirit, He promises that His disciples will speak. He knows that we're too weak to speak, which is why He gives us His Spirit. He's done this all throughout the Bible. Let's look at the Old Testament, Numbers 11 and 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. Second yeah. Samuel 23 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. <laughs> Nehemiah 9 and 30. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your Spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. We see this all throughout the Old Testament yeah. where the Spirit will come on somebody yeah. for the purpose of empowering them to speak. This continues in the New Testament, Luke 1 and 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Acts 2 and 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, you guys help me out, speak, prophesy. Everybody say speak. Speak Speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 4 and 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, starts to preach the first sermon of the first church. Wow. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Acts 4 and 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God yeah. with boldness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As we read through the New Testament, we see that anytime someone receives the Spirit, they immediately begin to there's a reason why you have the Spirit. It's not just for the glory goosebumps. It's not just for your own entertainment. It's not just so that you can feel, you know, comfortable in the presence of God. And there is, it is there for more. It is there so that you would be enabled to speak. You don't have to have a special feeling to speak about Jesus. You don't need a prophecy or a picture. You already have what you need to speak. It's called the Holy Spirit. And this is not some. This is not a Sunday deal. This is a daily deal. Right. This is the will of God. This is a disciples' new normal. This is why we have the Spirit. And it's important that we study. But I want to say this: you don't need to fret about what to say. Yeah. Luke twelve and twelve said, "For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said." Can I say this? It's your job to speak. It's the Holy Spirit's job to move. If you'll be faithful to obey God's will, the Spirit will be faithful to bless God's word. Yeah. Amen. You may not have a sermon, but you have a story. Yeah. Yeah. You may not have a sermon, but you have the Spirit. Yes. Yes. And that means you have everything that you need to speak the gospel. Just look at the person next to you and say, you're qualified. You're qualified. And let's stand together and pray. I hope in some way today that you would be encouraged to speak the gospel this week. Listen, guys, we have Easter coming up in a few weeks, and we're only doing two services. So here's what I know. We're not going to have space. But listen, it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have... Just, we're just going to come yep. in here yes. and, and gather around yes. Jesus as a community and yes. and worship God. Yes. And, and I've done some study this week, and did you know that 82%, this is a real stat, 82% of people who are far from God reported that they would go to church yes. with their friend if they were asked. not close to God, but are very happy to come to church if you'd ask. Yeah. Yep. So, hey, look, even the statistics say that, you know, yeah. you're going to have favor with yeah. this. And, and a lot of people, at least here in America, they get saved in church. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. A lot of people get saved in other places. They get saved in church. Yep. So, I, I, it's not the only place they can. It just happens a lot. Because Jesus likes to show up here. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. So that's what I want to speak to you guys. We're preparing for Easter. People are apt to come on Easter and Christmas. So this could be an opportunity. If there's yeah. somebody God puts on your heart this week, you're like, man, they're far from God. They, you, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe they've just fallen from their purpose. Yep. Maybe they used to go to church like, I hate church now. I don't want anything to do with God. Maybe Easter would just be a time they say, I'll go one more second. What's that today? The Holy Spirit is touching. Come on. Come on. You guys with me? Yeah. Right. 
So God, as we're closing right now, I ask that you would just reveal to us some people that we have in our sphere that are far from God. If it's true, and I believe it is, that, that, that over 80% of people would be willing to go to church if they were asked by a friend who goes, Lord, I ask that you would just show us who those people that would say yes might be so they can be touched by your spirit, God. Not so that they can, you know, join the church, but they can be a part of a family. So, Lord, we just pray over these disciple makers in this room. And we, we call them up, we commission them, and we release your commandments over their life to preach the gospel supernaturally. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.